Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Joseph. Yellow. And Jehu. Ooh, Yanni. We're here to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We were supposed to do Picard, but that's not going to happen right now. I mean, you look, this is the more timely thing. I mean, way. it's good we're doing this one first, but I'm curious how far into Picard did oh, you Oh, I'm get? None, none far into <laughs> it. None of it. We asked him two weeks ago. <laughs> made no progress. I, I, you know what? I respect that answer more than five. <laughs> uh, so, you know, all the Guardians are back. I'm not going to list that whole cast. James Gunn is back. Uh, this time they're fighting the high evolutionary as we find, you know, more about Rocket's backstory and where he came from and him coming to peace with who he's supposed to be. Is there anything I'm missing? No, I think you nailed it. Okay, mm. great. Any important cast additions, really? I mean, you know, the usual James Gunn uh, People. Uh, usual suspects. If you watch, it's, if you watch Guardians 2 yep. and then Peacemaker... You've seen everybody in this show. I, I, I do. I do like that there is a Yondu ghost moment, just so they could pay Michael Rooker to be right. there, just for some reason. Just, right? Yeah, just for for absolutely no reason. And uh, uh, Will Poulter is is oh Will Poulter Adam, Adam Warlock. Warlock. That's this. a good. That's a good addition. Yeah, what you call it? Um, you know, one could say that uh, Michael Rooker is to him what what's his name? What Ash is to uh, Sam Raimi? Bruce Campbell. Yeah, but I think it's more like. He's Sam Raimi's car. Mm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He really is in everything he does. Yeah. So what did we think of this movie, guys? Uh, man, I'm going to go ahead and start with saying that I feel like... Let's just go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning of Marvel movies. All right. Uh, you know, there was a formula, and I've talked about this formula before, how I think it really is reminiscent of early Marvel comic books. There's action... There's jokes and there's melodrama, and you get that in every issue of a of a Silver Age Marvel comics. And those first few Marvel movies really nailed that down. They were good, but they weren't great. And then we get to like 2010 or whatever, and we get Guardians and Winter Soldier, and then we're like, oh shit, these movies can be great, and they go on a pretty good run of being great. And I think I got so used to that that I had a kind of Stockholm Syndrome with these movies. Like, as long as they did the formula, I was better than Transformers. Mm -hmm. But then you watch one like this that is just so fucking incredibly awesome that I realize, I think I've been giving some of these (laughs) movies a pass. This is what they should be doing. Mm -hmm. I think this bar is, I think that bar is too high. I think this movie does something. Just take it outside of like comic book movie world. Right. How many movies stick a landing? Mm-hmm. Right. No like shit. A trilogy like right. actually stick the ending. Right. How many times is the third movie? I, I was the just, best. Just movie. about right. to ask you guys that. Is there another example that we can think of? Because I don't know of one off the top of my head. But I'm, I'm sure there's at least one. Last Crusade. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, actually, no. Last Crusade's a pretty good fool. So do you you did you two watch this together? Yeah, two yes. days ago. Was it embarrassing crying in front of each other? <laughs> I don't think Joseph cried. I did cry. I, me and Sarah were a mess in this movie. Yeah. If for anyone who hasn't seen this, let me let me explain the premise to this movie to you. You know how the argument of a lot of these, like particularly maybe Ant Man recently, is it's just jokes in front of a green screen. This is not what this movie is. This movie is let's take the saddest Pixar movie you've ever seen. You know, that's about animal testing and then build a superhero movie around that. 
And that may not sound like fun. And in spots, it is not fun. But one of the great things about this movie is it's super well balanced. About the time you have hit this pit of despair, Drax will say something stupid. About the time the jokes are wearing thin, something will blow up. It's just a really, really well-rounded mm-hmm. movie. And I know something we complain about a lot on this movie, this podcast is movies being too long. I didn't notice this this one's I mean this was a long movie I didn't feel it at all watching it I enjoyed every second I had absolutely no I I went into this movie in amazingly despite this podcast and my Twitter feed like (laughs) entirely cold I didn't know how long it was I didn't know what anybody was saying about it I didn't know any spoilers about like anything I just seen the trailer however many (laughs) months ago uh, which I mean, honestly, great way to watch a movie. Right. Uh, so I, I didn't even know it was like relatively long. Yeah, I, I, I think to to your point, hurt. I, it is an unfair bar because I think I think to balance those three things that you mentioned mm-hmm. in a way that feels satisfying, like each one of those things is done well. Right. I mean, like James Gunn doesn't even do that almost any of the time. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, Guardians, Guardians 1 is probably his next closest thing. Uh, and I mean, definitely that's like the style he wants to go for for all of his movies. But it's it's a really tough balance to strike. But yeah, I mean, they stick the landing. It, it, everything is, is executed as well as it could be. All of the characters are showcased in like the the best versions of themselves right it's very good yeah uh i mean i'm not gonna crap on the movie i'll only offer one like negative opinion i think this movie's excellent like we talked about i don't i i agree i don't know it's a fair bar because i don't know how many times there's been a trilogy the third is the best where and where you have a cast of like not just like how many guardians five original and now we've added a couple along the way. Mm-hmm. We now we have like seven or eight different Guardians characters that all get a moment to shine. It's impossibly balanced to the point of like, you know, where you're talking about the heart, the humor, the cries, the action. I mean, it's edited so well, like things I, I mean, literally it's cut perfectly. Like you're talking about those long, those sad scenes don't go on too long. The goofy jokes hit just right. They don't undercut the moments. Like it really is expertly crafted my one note is and i said this to joseph and i've said this probably in the, before on the podcast i don't like making superhero movies i can't take my kids to and i absolutely cannot bring my it, kids to this movie. It, it is funny because it feels like probably 80 percent of this you could but the parts that you can <laughs> you really man, can you really can <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i mean legitimately i walked out of it thinking that could have been rated r right like it, it where it goes hard it goes mm-hmm. really hard mm. and not even like just in like the animal cruelty part and mm. i know we're not like in spoilers yet but there's a part where a planet blows up and you are literally watching all of those innocent lives mm. die and no one really takes a second to address that part which is kind of weird to me right but um like it's just really dark in some spots I tell you what I like about that part and what I don't like about that part. I loved the stakes of this movie. And it's totally, it's not about saving the world. It's not about saving Mm -hmm. the universe. It's about saving my friend and I will mow down shit to do that. And so to me, I mean, you know, even though it's kind of cold, I feel like that sort of fit with the theme of, hey, we don't. We don't care. We're here to save Rocket and each other. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, we should have never seen a planet destroyed before Galactus. Mm. uh, I think, kind of to your point, I do think it's an interesting... There's actually, like, Peter's kind of character arc in this Mm -hmm. movie is that 
while he loves his friends, the you know, and he's dealing with the sadness of Gamora, like he feels this really responsibility of being the hero. Right. A, a lot. He says, you know, not killing anyone multiple times right, in the movie right, right. to eventually him and Groot are in that room and he turns to Groot and says, kill them all. <laughs> Which was great. But like, <laughs> yeah, like it's a great turn because to your point, the heart of the movie is not him being a hero. The heart of the movie, the movie is him wanting to save his best friend. Right. Um, and I, I, I think what you're saying is true. It really does play into all, everything plays into that fact. Right. It's just, I can't take my eight-year-old to that. You, you cannot. You can't, no, you yeah. can't take your 10-year-old to that? <laughs> I don't know if you can take your 12 or 13-year-old. You know, like, I don't know what the age is, like, good yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's better than Transformers. Oh, it's definitely better. Than better Transformers. Totally better than Transformers. So, um, one more thing before oh. we get spoilers. Okay, I just want thing. to say... It is so nice to have a villain you can just fucking yeah. hate. Yeah, yeah. Because so many of the Marvel movies, you know, Killmonger, uh, Vulture, even Thanos, Thanos to yeah. a degree, are almost, if not more, sympathetic than the than the than the hero or the heroes. Mm-hmm. And that was not this guy. Like five seconds into meeting him, it's like I cannot wait for this motherfucker to die. Mm-hmm. You know. So I thought that, and I thought it was a good performance while that guy, who I will do him the honor of not trying to pronounce his name. Yeah, I'll get it wrong. Yeah. Uh, so spoilers. Spoilers. Where are we starting at this? I mean, I guess the, the first spoiler is how we're introduced to uh, Adam Warlock. We probably go into this mm, thinking that one thinking. he's going to be sort of a frenemy, and he's he's not. We we introduce with him trying to kill them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the movie really starts with Peter Quill is depressing, depressed. He's listening to Radiohead, and we get very quickly into here's Adam Warlock, and he gravely injures Rocket, and that's what the whole movie is about, yeah. just trying to save Rocket. It is kind of uh, you almost forget by the end of it that adam warlock is the thing that, i totally forgot about the end that of causes it. all of this right and ian and i were talking about it afterwards and he was like you know i don't really like the adam warlock portrayal mm. uh i do i think uh i think characters that people want to be taken super seriously when they're shown to be really dopey on screen is funny to me i will always be a merc for the trevor slattery reveal in iron man 3 right him being a big dumb baby in this Mm -hmm. was totally fine for me and man you know you know just as we see with all these characters they evolve I was you about know? to say, this gives them a lot of room to be whatever yeah. they want them to be yeah. in the future. And if you really need to see a story about space, Jesus, Man of Steel's still out there. You can just go watch that. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's one way to kind of like just not have them totally fucking wreck these people. Right, exactly. Like the fact that he's kind of incompetent and dumb, <laughs> even though he's essentially all powerful, gives them a fighting chance right. against him. At least long enough to delay and get the plot moving in the movie, but... And I, I was thankful that it that the Christmas special was required viewing. Right. Yeah. On the other hand, really, uh, Infinity War and Endgame were not. Besides Gamora. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that that explanation that is Peter Spill give, gives, yeah. is, first of all, is hilarious, and second of all, is enough. You understood what happened. Yeah. How we got here. You might. It's going to take you an hour to get there if you're wondering, like, what the fuck is up with Gamora? Right, that's true. But you do get told. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess if this is, like, the first movie you fucking watched, I'm sure you have other questions, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. <laughs> why does the girl with the antenna and the dude with the beard, why are they brother and sister? Well, you got to watch Guardians 2. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, I thought, you know, and I thought making the Sovereign also one of 
his like people groups he's created. Right. Mm. Totally made sense. Right. It's fine. And gives sort of a unifying theme to the whole thing, which yep. is what this was really good at. Which is a good point because when you think about how the second one ends, it definitely seems like the Sovereign and Adam Warlock are kind of going to be the enemy. Right. And so it was a really good way of like still addressing that and then kind of doing the story you want to tell in this one. Counterpoint being maybe the end of Doctor Strange 1 and Doctor Strange 2, where there's no reference at all <laughs> right, to right. what the first one sets up. Right. But Joseph, you're not saying much. No, I just, now I'm just thinking about the Doctor Strange 2 thing and the, the deleted scene that we never got to see that would have connected those two. Yeah, cutting his head off. Yeah, yeah, that. which would have been very fun. <laughs> but... <laughs> I don't know. What do we want to talk about? Any of the animal abusey things? We probably should talk about that. Yeah. I don't want to talk. I, about I don't really want. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm curious. I don't know if either of you know the answer to this. I'm, I'm looking at Hurt because he seems like the most likely. But is are like the specifics of this character and and this background like accurate to comics or is this James Gunn's awful emotionally manipulative invention? <laughs> I would say. You know, I know I've read the original Rocket Raccoon miniseries at one point, and so I should know this, but I've also read a lot of comics that's pushed that comic out of my mind. I would say like 30% there. I'm not sure if High Evolutionary is specifically connected to Rocket Raccoon, but I know that this is exactly what High Evolutionary does. Mm -hmm. So It's one of those things, I mean, like the whole situation is sad. I mean, just like... Their general weird little cyborg mm. bodies, like contrasted mm. with how just kind of like happy-go-lucky and optimistic <laughs> right, they are, right. is already a bummer. Uh, but like, it, it would already be sad if they just like were in cages, got out of cages, and then were killed. But then like playing cage tag, but, but like yeah. in the middle, and we was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" To right? Me? Why do we need this? Yeah, just when I was sitting there, and he was like, "He's like, they're gonna die so hard." <laughs> I'm like, "Dude, it's fucking coming, and it's gonna be brutal." Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it's not a knock to say it was telegraphed. The whole point of them is to build you up to it's, fucking it's, rip your heart it's out. It's so when it fucking stupid on like just a, a rational level because it's not, again, I mean, they'd be the, I hope that Hollywood wouldn't actually do any of these things to animals in this right. day and age. In right. the 30s, yes, but not, you know. Yeah. Uh, but like, in our, we all know, and, and I think our children would also know, these are not real things. This is a computer-generated thing. A computer made these right. fake things to tell this fake story about these fucking not-even-real-animal experiments. But somehow, our simple primate brain is just like, oh, it's adorable. <laughs> I want to love it. I want it to live forever. Right. Yeah. I, it was definitely, after it over, there was an element of me that was kind of pissed that a dumb space movie would make me so weak. Right? You know. That turtle mutating thing was fucking disgusting. Yeah. One of, I mean, there's the, all the animal torture for sure. A reason I can't bring them, my child to this. That would give them nightmares. Right. It was, it, it was creeping me out watching yep. it happen. Because also, it was the best looking screen uh, ninja turtle we've seen so far. It was a pretty it, good looking ninja turtle. And they just kill it immediately. Yeah. But I mean, again, I don't know how to say that guy's name, the high evolutionary. Uh, his performance, I think in that scene, any scene with Baby Rocket, mm -hmm. you know, he's fucking talking to maybe Sean Gunn, probably a tennis ball, right. and uh, he's fucking killing yeah, yeah. it. Like, he's delivering. Laying it out like it's Shakespeare, like yeah. just <laughs> so, just chewing up the scenery. I loved it. Yeah, he's really, really good. Having said that, I think 
we said briefly everyone has their moment to shine everyone's very good in this everyone is very good in this especially like i know it's just a voiceover role but fucking bradley cooper mm-hmm. is so good in this yeah best turn is rocket because this is his movie yeah it's which, a rocket raccoon which movie. is ironic because mm-hmm. almost his entire story is just flashbacks it's not right, actually yeah, in yeah. the movie right. yeah, yeah he's <laughs> unconscious most of the movie yeah. but it, but yeah he's it's his movie yeah, I guess you could say, like, it's a little convenient. He wakes up and basically has learned all the lessons of the movie up until that point. Like, he's a totally different character right. when he wakes up. I guess we don't really see him beforehand, but he's already kind of melancholy because he's the one listening to Radiohead at the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I mean, one of the things I do like that by the time we get to this one, they just care about each other. Mm. They're not like... It's it's not like I'm yelling at you and you're yelling at me, but really in the day down they just open. They yeah, still yeah. yell. There's a lot of yelling. This was like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. The movie is <laughs> yeah. But uh, they genuinely uh, care about each other. Uh, one of my favorite bits in this is every time when Peter would refer to Rocket as his best friend, and then uh, Drax would be like second best friend. That yeah. kill me. And the the shit with. Uh, the subplot with what what do we call young Yondu Yondu what's his name Craglin Craglin, Craglin and and uh, and why can't I think of the goddamn Cosmo yep. dog the whole bad where, dog where he calls him a bad dog that shit was entertaining every time it was on screen yeah it was good I definitely feel like I I think it's true for all the things including the special but this movie this movie possibly because it was the end is like oh damn. Dave Bautista should do this character forever. I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, I mean, there, I think everybody is very good at their role, but I don't, I don't think there's a person on earth that would do this role better than, no. than him. I, he was probably my favorite part of it. Yeah. Going into it, I was kind of over Dave Bautista. And now I'm and that's the thing. Every time I hear him talk outside of a movie, right. I am done with Dave Bautista. And then I see him do shit that, like this. It's like, oh, no, he can come back. It's right. fine. I mean, he's, he's so perfectly cast. Yeah. Uh, the real standout to me that kind of surprised me is Karen Gillan as Nebula. Mm-hmm. She's great in this. I agree. And the end with her like jamming out to that song right. and like her whole goal being to like protect these people that she's grown to love and build a new society like really is like such a beautiful character arc from yeah. for her character. Like I was, I don't know, I was really impressed with Nebula in this movie. I think everybody has a great character arc, except for maybe Gamora. Like, you know, Mm. where Gamora is sort of, at the end of this, she's back to who she was before Guardians 1 is kind of a little bit of a bummer. But you also see a little idea that maybe she's starting to change at the end. Yeah, problem is she's not coming back. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I did want to ask, what do we think about the fact that nobody, none of their Guardians, anyway, die? I loved it. I, you know, if you had asked me before I watched the movie, I would have said not killing any one of them was, would, a, was a huge cop out. Yeah, uh, particularly with the marketing, but also because like this is your opportunity to do something. You know, that would be like you know the real emotional stakes. Uh, but you know, after watching the movie, I would have been so fucking upset if any of them died <laughs> because I was having so much fun with all of them. I, I mean, I think part of this was an argument against that you don't have to kill a main character. To get emotional beats. Totally agree. I think there's twofold. One is just my conspiracy tinfoil brain. You just killed a hero six months ago. Mm. Right. You just killed off Black Panther. Right. Uh, and you did that because you had to. Don't do it because you want to. Right. The other part of that is we have been totally just 
I don't know, converted, flipped, I don't even know the word, convinced that good endings are sad. Right. But that's not the fucking truth. Right. Happy endings are totally fine. Right. Every story used to end and they lived happily ever after. Those stories aren't bad stories because everybody lives and has a happy ending. You know, I mean, really, the way the ending plays out, you could argue that the arc of this movie is a man who was opposed to dancing learned to dance. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, three movies where a guy who thought it was awful to dance learns to dance. It's, you know, it's kind of like he's like uh, a townsfolk in Footloose or something, mm-hmm. you know? I think a lot of times it can be bad when a creator of any sort is having an ar- ar- argument with their audience about, you don't understand what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. You know, this is something that happens uh, a lot, you know, in comics. Frank Miller's a guy who's done that. He spent his last 20 years arguing, you guys didn't understand Dark Knight Returns. Let me show it to you. And he's trying to show us it sucks. Uh, you know, um, James Gunn definitely came out swinging that you other guys who did star Lord do not understand star Lord. Here is star Lord. Mm. And I'm 100% on board. Chris Pratt back up the Chris. Uh, (laughs) he's number one to me right now. (laughs) I do like, I mean, I do feel bad for Chris Pratt because everyone just, Assume like is Chris Pratt actually ever done anything wrong, or is that we all just assume like he's like a super mega MAGA Republican anti LGBTQ asshole? Right. Because I feel like that's what we assume about the guy. Right. But like he seems like a fairly quiet, down to earth right. guy, and Mario was pretty good. <laughs> right. This is pretty good. Like I don't know really why I should hate him anymore. I you know honestly. You know, if he's the guy that people are sometimes portraying, portraying him to be, I don't think he'd be having such a great career at Disney. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They don't really seem to be too fond of that. I mean, again, I don't want to go off the rails here, but his father-in-law is Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's one of the few Republicans who talked mad shit about Donald Trump. Right. No, totally. It would be pretty weird if Chris Pratt was super pro-Donald Trump. Right. I mean, you know, honestly... I it was none of that shit. I ever, never even hold it held against him. I just thought it was fucked up that he dumped Anna Ferris. She seems like a delight. Yeah, that's probably true. But uh, he's doing way better than she is, though. <laughs> right, that's true. Uh, I did. I had two more questions I want to ask you guys. How do we feel about Groot in this movie? And how do we feel? About, this is not the second question. This is a follow up to the first about the "I love you guys" bit. Okay, first of all, where do we think? Do you think that he said, I love you guys, or do you think we got invited on that side of the fourth wall? that's what it is. That's what I think it is. I mean, it is. James Cunn's confirmed that's what it is. We are hearing what Groot is saying when he says, I am Groot. Right. I don't know that it's sold necessarily that way, but... I think it's sold in the fact that nobody reacts to it. Nobody says... Holy shit, you just said something. That could be. I wish we hadn't have a pretense of him saying another word that is not one of those three words. Right. Yeah, which yeah. we do have when he says, and I realize it's stupid, but he says, we are Groot in the first movie. So you're like, oh, he can't fucking say other words. <laughs> right. uh, so that's the only reason why I'm like, I could see why a person would be confused. Right. But Groot's fine. I, I, it's probably the least interesting version of Groot. In my yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he's still kind of more of a prop than a character, I think, well, most of the time. But 
Yeah, but I think at least when he's original Groot, there's a lot of heart there yeah, for yeah. him. When he's baby Groot and he's teenage Groot, there's good laughs and gags there with him. Right. This one's just kind of like Groot's just kind of the muscle. Yeah. Right. The scene with Peter, though, in the high evolutionary's fucking chambers. Very fun. Very dope. Good. Yeah. Uh, and then the last question I have is, walking away from this, how do we feel about James Gunn's Superman? I mean... Okay, first of all, going into this, I just need to go give a spoiler for the end of what I'm about to say. I'm not about to come out as Joe Rogan. Okay. I'm thinking really watching... I think totally when you say asshole things, there should be consequences. There should be the ability for people to say, go away with your asshole things. But maybe give it a few seconds to breathe before you fire somebody because they have fucked up losing Mm. this guy. Mm -hmm. You know, they fired him immediately for some dumb shit he said on Twitter. And if they wouldn't have done that, he would have never been done Suicide Squad and Peacemaker and he'd never now be in the charge of the competition being their most talented asset. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this is the first time I really feel like Marvel's in danger. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a guy who can make a good Superman movie. And this is a guy who I also think will make choices like Guardians and like Winter Soldier and like Multiverse of Madness, where you just find a director and let them make a good movie. Mm -hmm. So I'm feeling pretty good about Superman right now. Yeah, I mean, his record of comic book movies, I mean, he's four for four. Like, we can argue about the order of those things. Right. But not one of them is bad. Right. And uh, his last two, you can make an argument, he's only getting better. Right. Um, There's sort of a fifth one in there. Oh, I mean, (laughs) the movie he's made about Superman already uh, is a huge question mark. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you got to feel, if you're DC, you have to be looking at this as just a total win. Mm -hmm. Like, you know... You would hope they would, but, I mean, Warner always finds a way to fuck shit up. I'm still... He could still be fired any day, and it would not <laughs> surprise yeah, yeah, me yeah. at all. He's directing the Superman movies. He's right? directing, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, look, the Guardians movies are good as a whole. I don't love the second one as much as, as you guys do. I don't, I don't feel like he's got, like, a solid enough track record to be like, he made a really good movie, he's going to make a really good movie next time. <laughs> um, and I feel like Superman is, like, like, tonally very different from the style of stuff that he has done with superheroes so far. Right. Uh, you know, a lot more sincere. So I'm, I'm not as optimistic as you guys are, but... Here's the thing. He does have sincere characters in his movie. That's, they're just they're just never the main character. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to be different. His main character will have to be sincere, and he'll have to get the James Gunn shit from Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen and shit like that. I do think, to the point you're making, Joseph, I mean, it is it is he's never done a movie like it. Mm-hmm. Like, I would say Guardians 3 has more in common with, say, Slither than people probably want to admit. <laughs> right. You can't really have that in the Superman movie. And my counter argument to what I'm saying, though, is that he obviously understands these characters very, very well. He understood the characters in Suicide Squad very, very Mm. well. I don't think it's out of the realm to say he understands Superman very, very well. Everything we've heard so far is encouraging. Yeah, everything he said is super on board. Here's, I think he understands comics very well yeah you know and i think that has worked for him pretty much every time he stepped to the plate on this so i'm hoping that will also work in this new i mean definitely 
it's easy to see how something like Creature Commandos or Authority is going to be a home run for him. Definitely Superman, you know, there's not a lot in this to see how he would do that. But I just have faith in him as a talented dude. Yeah. And I do think, to your point, Jehu, Marvel's got to figure out their director problem. Right. Uh, You have a couple of guys who you probably really trust. Ryan Coogler. Right. Who seems to still kind of be in for the long haul. Maybe Dustin Daniel Cretton. Crichton, the guy who directed Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a great origin movie. He's re-upped. I think you have a couple of guys there. Right. But you don't want to make another Peyton Reed movie. Right. The Russo brothers were probably real. This this is the secret to the Russo brothers, by the way. They're very good at taking notes from somebody else. Mm, 100%. Unarrested, they had fucking like Ron Howard in the right. studio being like, you should do this. And they did it. And when they got to Marvel... They had Kevin Feige saying, right. you should do this. They should do it. I think their comeback is sooner than people think it is. And I think both parties will be beneficial. For yeah, them. that's probably true. I, I think they're guys that they're writer's room guys. They are not like solo vision auteur guys. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they need a support system. So I think you have. And, and I know Multiverse of Madness is kind of like hotly debated on the Internet. I'm very pro that movie because, I am too. like you said, it's a Sam Raimi movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, if you're going in expecting a Marvel movie, I get why you might be right. disappointed, but it's a fucking Sam Raimi right. movie. I would be totally fine if we did more Sam Raimi movies. So mm-hmm. you have probably three or four guys, but God, like, I don't want to see another Peyton Reed movie. I don't want to see another Taika Waititi movie in the MCU. Like, I, you know what? I would be, because I was thinking about the Taika Waititi movies, because I was, uh, I was trying to think... Talk about a guy who doesn't know how to write The Guardians. Right. That's the worst right. take of The Guardians right. yet. Right. Uh, I, was think, I was trying to think of, like, I don't know, now that I'm reevaluating the post-Endgame Marvel mm-hmm. U, what makes it to uh, better than Transformers? And I know the Brett Cold Goldstein cameo in, in, <laughs> in uh, Love and Thunder makes the better than Transformers. I don't know if the whole movie does, but I'm still hoping if he does a fourth movie, the fourth movie will that, not be one. That was the fourth movie. Uh, well, a f- okay, I'm sorry. A, a third, third movie for him. of him. Yeah. I hope that one will be one that isn't narrated by Thor because I think the goofiness of the other two is because we're hearing it you know through an unreliable sort of narrator and I would like to see something different next time if he does come back because I really did enjoy the first one a lot and I had fun in the second one but I don't necessarily know if it was good I was going to say I was the one on record here saying that was dog shit and I stand by that (laughs) yes we know (laughs) um so yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, I definitely think one of the things about this that I liked is that it didn't really make an effort to set up anything. Yeah. I mean, it shows us a new Guardians team, but it doesn't give us any guarantee we're going to see them well, again. Well, no, the only char- character we get a guarantee for is Star-Lord. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was a little surprised because I was certain Chris Pratt was going to the yeah, DC. Yeah. I, I honestly think that could be a gag, though. Mm. You know, like, we'll see Star-Lord again just living his suburban life, <laughs> you know? That would be funny. Yeah. Um, but I, I I think there were elements of At- Ant-Man and Quantumania I liked, but overall, it just felt like a thing to get to the next thing. Mm-hmm. They need to stop making that movie. They just need to make the thing. Yeah. 
That's that's probably always good advice. Right. I don't think it's ever been a good idea to make the thing that sets up the right. other thing. Well, so much of how fucking Hollywood oh, thinks for, now for is for how sure. you're supposed to do that. That last fucking Mortal Kombat movie that didn't have Mortal Kombat in it. What the fuck? But no movie that has ever spawned a lot of things started out thinking... I'm going to set up a bunch of other things. Right. It made a good thing. Right. And then people were like, we want more of that thing. And you're like, hey, what? I should do more of that thing. Right. Well, well, that was the beauty, right, of doing the after credit scene originally. Right. Iron Man 1 is a complete story. Yeah. Right. And then you had one scene at the end where a guy says the words Avengers Initiative. Doesn't even really ask him to be a part of it. Just mm. says the words, and that's enough setup. Right. Mm. Uh, it's not a plot point in the movie, right. which is the entire plot of Quantumania, which apparently we shouldn't have done anyway because fucking that guy's going to jail. Yep. <laughs> so, but yeah, better than Transformers. This yeah, movie's when, great. Yeah. When I was saying we didn't, shouldn't hastily cancel people, I definitely wasn't talking about. <laughs> there, there, there's too much shit coming out showing that that guy likes to choke bitches. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's uh, Guardians Three: The Last of the Guardians. Yeah, that's the official title. What was the actual title? Just, Just Guardians, Guardians Volume Galaxy. Three, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. No, I don't know. Did uh, this? This is? Did it do well? I think so. Okay, it good. Like it was a pretty big hit. I think it did like plus thirty million projections. So. Okay, because I saw some you know article saying that it was bomb, but it was obviously a clickbait article, so I didn't know if it. Was we went true. to an, like eight thirty on a Tuesday, and it was pretty, <laughs> pretty full. full. Yeah, I mean, we went you know Sunday morning at the Ridge, and it was like half full, and that's pretty damn <laughs> happening for Sunday morning. At yeah. The Ridge. All right. Uh, but yeah, better than Transformers. What have we been watching the last actual... I don't know, I don't know how long it's been. It's a couple been a weeks. Week, a week, I think. Has been a week? Yeah, okay, good. We recorded last week. Uh, are we going to do an episode on Visions or no? It's up to you. I'm, I, we got shit in the pipeline, but... Have you? I, I haven't watched it, but I could tear that through that in a day. I want to talk about well, it. Oh yeah, we can, let's do an episode you, on it. Okay. Okay. Because I fucking loved Visions. Yeah. <laughs> I had honestly, till you said that, forgotten that it had came out. So uh-huh. I need to get on that. Don't forget when things come, Jamie. <laughs> you want to talk about Renfield? Sure. Joseph and I saw Renfield last week? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? Yep. Fucking time is a construct. Sure. <laughs> um, and that is some campy, I don't even know the other words to describe it, goofy, hyper-violent nonsense. It's a pretty fun hour and a half at the movies. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's 90 minutes, which is the perfect length for a movie you had me in an hour and a half yeah that's what you know? i'm saying uh it's it's exactly what it looks like from the trailer there's no uh, uh surprises i don't necessarily think there are a lot more jokes than there are in the trailer yeah. uh, uh all that said nick cage is having a pretty good time just being exactly what they cast him to be right. uh and that made me have a pretty good time nick cage is one of my favorite actors to have fun even when he's not necessarily doing a good job. Yeah, 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 100%. You know? I think he's doing fine in this movie, right. too. I mean, he's just goofy. I think Nicholas Holt is really good. Yeah, at- uh, I think, like, this is Nicholas Holt's sweet spot. Yeah. Uh, of just, like, weird comedy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that said, I just... I'm sure she's a nice lady. I have no idea. Dude, but fuck Aquafina. Aquafina <laughs> does nothing for me. Yeah, nothing. And she's she's a charisma vacuum. I don't know how to tr- like. I want to turn down the volume up, the volume on the movie screen when she's on screen. I just think she's horrifically miscast in this movie. Sure. Like the one true down on their luck, well-meaning cop is a weird role to cast. <laughs> I, I also want to point out that, that like for a movie that's ninety minutes. 
uh, there's a like an unusual amount of lore for for right. all the not not for Dracula, but for every individual side character. Like, uh, what, what did you? What was your description of the cop thing? Yeah, she's just the one true good. Yeah, the noble, one the one um, true good cop, and there's a lot of stuff going on that is completely irrelevant. And I I I'm totally with even in a comedy, even in the goofiest comedy movie, mm. it's important to have emotional stakes because otherwise right. you don't give a shit about anything. But I, I don't think we need a third of the runtime to be people's backstories to right. get emotionally invested in these people. Jehu, I do want to. I want to ask you a question. So I don't always know when to pe- when to tell when people are playing on a trope or when they're actually just doing the trope. <laughs> right, right, right. So if I said there was a scene in this movie where a person uses, in my opinion, a very classic line, which was. Your father was a great cop, and we're happy to have you a part of the precinct, but you got to stay in line. Would you think that was a trope, or were they playing on a trope? I think they thought they were playing on a trope, <laughs> but they were just doing a trope. That that thing, this is already something I'm locked and loaded for, because there's this comic writer named Greg Gruca who does this all the time, which he takes the most boring male archetype you can do, which is a down-on-their-luck, burnout cop, who's just waiting for the right case to make them feel again and and thinks wouldn't it be interesting if i made that a woman instead mm. and it's not it's still just a boring <laughs> fucking trope mm. except for the mayor of east town or whatever that show mm. the kate winslet show that's the only time that's that's ever been landed but that, that's where i struggle to fall on some, some right. parts of this movie is i can't tell if they're making a joke about the thing or if they just were like oh fuck it i don't know what to do just do that thing I mean, really, I I mean, it's really just how it lands. You can make a joke about racism, and if you don't land it, it becomes racist. Mm -hmm. You know, you can make, you know, this sort of, oh, we're going to make fun of this trope, but if you don't land it, it's just the shitty trope. Yeah. So I'm just going to go with Shorter Than Transformers. Shorter Than Transformers. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I still want to watch it. It looks fun to me. That's it. All right. Um. I mean, you guys set me up so great for this because there was a part of Guardians I didn't want to talk about because I'm going to talk about it during this. Uh, I bought a record player. Okay. Now, that might not sound like that weird of a thing because I seem like the kind of person. You seem like the kind of person who hates people who buy record players. Oh, uh, well, I mean, and maybe at one point, I definitely, I definitely hate being in bands with record collectors. Mm. That's one of my least favorite things. Record collectors can be the worst people on earth. They're always trying to convince you that the B-side of a Japanese-only single is the best song that the band has. And it's not. That's not true. Listen, That's never happened. I would argue that. But <laughs> uh, I mean, I can think of two examples where it happened to, but usually it's not yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, as a kid, I just never did records. And I think I've probably mentioned this before. I'm probably trying to, it sounds like I'm trying to turn myself into a Dickens character, but a really small room as a kid. And in this very small room, I had a very large bedroom suit. So I had no room. Like you, if you wanted to play the four is hot lava in my room, you were safe <laughs> because there was very little floor. So, so back t- then, record players were pretty big, too. Right, yeah, right, right. cabinets. Yes. You had record cabinets. Right. So I, uh, so for me, it was always tapes in a boombox. Took up less space. And I, I never, by the time I got, got a bigger room, you know, moved out, I, uh, 
I got a stereo system with a record player, but never really used it. Just stuck with tapes, went directly into CDs. So I just really don't. And and also very early on, I'd blown out my fucking hearing. So I can't really tell the difference between mm. the higher audio quality or whatever. Uh, so uh, I never really had a reason to, to chase that. Although I was always jealous of singles. I think singles are very mm. cool. You know, an A side, a B side. I think it's much harder to make a memorable statement with that than there is a whole album. So I'm always impressed when someone does. Uh, But for whatever reason, uh, me and Sarah thought it would just look cool in our house to get a record player. So we found a cheapo one on Amazon, found a cool little record holder for it, and started buying records. And it's been pretty goddamn fun. And uh, one of the records I bought was the Guardian soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, man, I, I don't know. I have a habit, you guys probably know this, of coming down positive early on something and maybe pulling back my opinion. So I'm gonna, so I might eat these words later, but it might be the best record soundtrack ever. It's definitely up there with like the Pulp Fiction soundtrack, with mm. the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. It's just a great fucking soundtrack. And I think a lot of people are disappointed in it because it isn't as themey as the first two, but I think that's its strength. I, I don't. I don't envy James Gunn that he gets to tell the story of Superman or the Guardians of the Galaxy or anything like that. I should as a geek. I just think it's so fucking cool he gets to make mixtapes that I have to listen to. I do think, to the point you're making, I didn't know people were down on it. And I think the fact that it doesn't have a theme also <clears throat> is a strength. Not because I necessarily like think that makes it easier. I think, in fact, it makes it harder. And he's just, I don't know, created this catalog that is... Just real fucking good. Right. Like, it just really is really good. Even if the Florence and the Machine song is a little too long. I mean, the see, you know, the, the, that song's a bop. I was just about to say, that's actually one of the things I like about the movie, even though I sort of complained about it when we watched it, is I like the fact that James Gunn makes the scene around the song and doesn't shove the song into the scene. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, there were several songs that were played for almost their full length, if not their full length, in, in Guardians 3. Right. And I love the shit out of that. Mm. I Yeah, I've never loved Florence. Uh, you know, I, my thing, I was I always already have Susie Sue. I already have Kate Bush. I don't really need. But that song was perfect in that scene. I loved it. Now I'm on board. There were a few things on here that just seemed like they were there just to make me mark out. Faith No More's We Care A Lot, that's a fucking banger. The replacements, I Will Dare, is off my fourth favorite record of all time. So I uh, I, I was down for that. Uh, but also, it, it, bring, it reminds me of the one part of the movie I didn't talk about that I wanted to, which I thought was the coolest scene in the movie. Let's stop with ha- hallway fights. We're fucking done. Nobody's yeah. doing it better yeah, yeah. than these guys slaying through shit to fucking no sleep till Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. That is a banger. So yeah, uh, the Guardian soundtrack better than Transformers. Vinyl collecting better than Transformers. <laughs> I did say I think when we were in the movie. Like I think the Beastie Boys are played out in movie soundtracks mm-hmm. after fucking Star Trek. Oh, one hundred percent. But the fact you went with that song, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah, you get a pass. I'll make, I'll make an exception. Yeah, because uh, it's like. It's the top of their second tier. You know, it's not any of their big, well-known, gets played every day on radio things. But it's a fucking jam. Yeah. I saw a tweet the other day that was, 
uh, what was the best moment in cinema and why was it sabotage in, in Star Trek Beyond? <laughs> it definitely affects... It's Star Trek 1. It's Star Trek 2009. Uh, fucking God. There's, it has to have been, I'm saying, 10 times at least since yeah, yeah. sabotage has popped up in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, shit, we're running long already. Do I want to talk about anime? I'll talk about a little anime. Okay. No, oh, I watched anime this week, too. You did? Oh, you yeah. got to tell me what anime you're watching. Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Fucking let me know when you're done. Also, don't watch that with kids around. No, God, no. <laughs> uh, I'll talk about two shows. There are two shows that uh, started this season, this spring, that I think are the best new things, non-continuing things um, out so far. And they've got very confusingly similar names, so I'm going to try and delineate them. But, you know, we do what we can. Uh, the first one is called Hell's Paradise. Sure. Uh, very anime name. It is a very anime name. It's set during like samurai era Japan, and the premise is uh, they've discovered like the physical location of heaven, which is like you know it's it's an island on the sea somewhere. Uh, but every time they send people there, they don't come back. Right. Uh, and on this island is supposedly the elixir of eternal life, and so their solution is they're going to send a bunch of uh, criminals slated for execution to go retrieve the elixir in exchange for a pardon. Uh, and it's just it's it's a weird trippy action ride of you know all these interesting design murderer evil people or you know criminals for whatever their fucking reasons are going to this batshit surreal island that doesn't make any sense that it's it reminds me well i'm gonna say this in the other one too it reminds me a bit of annihilation uh but it's it's uh i don't know the the basic premise of it is pretty fun just that Heaven is real and it hates you. I fucking I love that as like the the, the basic premise. Uh, it's pretty good so far. It's Mappa who traditionally do great work. They've had a really busy year. This is not their finest animation, right. but it's still good. Uh, the other show that I, I I've really enjoyed so far is called uh, Heavenly Delusions. Mm-hmm. So Hell's Paradise, Heavenly Delusions, <laughs> not related at all. Both of these sound like they could be Slayer albums. Uh, yeah, they definitely. Uh, and uh, the best way I can I can quick mashup describe what this is is it's it's a mix of uh, the Last of Us and Promise Neverland <laughs> and you might think and Christian might think because you don't know what Promise Neverland is how do those two mix together and the answer is I don't fucking know yet <laughs> uh, it's it right now it's mostly just like two completely different stories that are just full of mixed mystery boxes there it's definitely some kind of post apocalyptic thing there's definitely like weird shit happening. Uh, and we've learned nothing about any of it. We just uncover new things that we don't know, but it's interesting every episode. Right. Uh, and so for the, you know, it, it's good. It's good enough for me so far. It, it may, if, if none of these things get resolved at any point, I may come back around on it and tell you it's bad. But so far I'm intrigued. Right so, on. Uh, Heavenly delusions. Better than both of them. Better than Transformers. I did have one thing I want to say before we close out. Yep. Which I feel bad about not mentioning earlier. I was on the Derek Diamond experience last week. Uh, and where uh, I got to, me and Derek listed out our top five Star Wars moments all time. Right on. And uh, yeah, you know, you should check out that podcast. It's Derek Diamond Experience, wherever you find your podcast. I think it's actually a legitimately good conversation talking about Star Wars. I'm pretty uh, level-headed. I, uh, I'll i probably check that out on the way home. Yeah. That's an idea I wish we would have done. It. I'm going to be honest with you. We kind of go off the rails a little bit in the beginning, so it takes about 30 minutes to get to the list. But well, that's called podcasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. I, I had a really good time doing it, and people should listen. All right. Uh, well, that's it for this week. I think next week, Picard. 
How many episodes are there? Ten. Okay, I can fucking do that. I mean, you've got to do it before I forget what happened. That's not, no, I, I got it. I, I've, I've got more time. We're then we fine. can do visions after that. Yeah, I mm. like it. It's a good plan. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. Please rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. If you want to talk to us about how you felt about Guardians or James Gunn or any of the Guardians movies, you can reach us at realphonies at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for our and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys later. Later.